Welcome to the Wonder Woman Club podcast. We bring you conversations that will inspire, empower, and educate you to thrive both in business and in life. My name is Vash Naidu, and I'm your host, an intuitive fempreneur coach and the founder of the Wonder Woman Club, a global community of phenomenal women doing phenomenal things in the world. Let's get started. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Wonder Woman Club podcast. Today, we have a different type of guest, Raylan Davis, who is a former MMA fighter, who is now turned entrepreneur and sales coach. Welcome to the podcast, Raylan. It is so good to have you here. Uh, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I think uh, we we obviously met in Clubhouse and um, and we connected through that, like most of us have just recently. There's so many wonderful conversations going on there. And I love the things you were saying. So Raylan, from being an MMA fighter to a sales coach is a very different career path altogether. So just tell me bit. how did, just a wee bit. So tell me how you got started in um, in fighting for, for, the first, for the first time anyway. Yeah, so... I think, well, just like anything, you sometimes you fall into it, and this is kind of like a ridiculous story, but I used to I used to wrestle in college, right, and also in high school, and I was decent at that sport, but I got injured, right, and through injury or through hardship is usually where you find certain things, you know, that you want to do. So anyway, I actually tore my groin and, you know, went on to help some people that were fighting at the time, doing MMA and with the wrestling, right? So, so I go to that gym, I'm just helping them out. And then so happens they needed somebody to spar. So they're like, Hey, Ray, can you help us out with sparring too? I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. And so I completely get my ass kicked. And for some reason, because the way my brain works, I was like, I'm hooked. It's like losing. If I'm not good at something, I can't, I can't not do it. I have to continue to do it over and over again until I get good. Then maybe if I get good, I'll be bored of it. Right. So anyway, that's, that's how that got started. It was just kind of by accident. And then I happened to be decent at that and ended up kind of dropping out of college to pursue fighting, became a professional. And then, and then, yeah, from there, kind of like kind of spawned off from there. You make it sound so easy, like just drop out and just become a pro fighter. So what was the journey yes. between that? Right. Because it's not, it's not an easy sport. It is really enduring on the body, but also on your yeah. mindset. So what was that like for you going through that process and, and changing from being someone who doesn't fight and obviously the contact sport as well. So what is that like? Yeah. So here, the hardest part of MMA isn't necessarily the, the, the physical components of it. To your point, it's the mental part. The hardest part of fighting is getting in the cage, right? It's, it's, you're getting ready to fight. You know, you're going into a cage and by the way, you're basically half naked you're exposed to like friends and family and there's a huge probability that you're going to get hurt in front of your friends and family. Like I remember my, um, my second fight, it was a really, really big um, event or whatever. And, and the person I was fighting missed weight, meaning we agreed upon weighing in a certain amount, which I used to cut like 30 pounds to be able to weigh in at a certain amount. He misses weight. We show up to fight. I still take the fight cause I'm stupid. And, and I get there, we walk in the cage and that walk up is petrifying. Okay. The whole time your brain's telling you, you can't do this, dude, just turn around and run. You don't have to do this. And you have to convince yourself it's going to be okay. Right. Just to get in the cage. And the interesting thing is like the first round, uh, at the, in the first round, I end up breaking my ankle, right? He took a, he took a weird shot. My ankle gets trapped underneath us and it breaks. I keep fighting and that loss. I end up losing, right? I made it all through three, uh, three rounds. I end up losing, but it was my favorite fight I ever had in my life. It taught me something. It taught me that with a broken fucking ankle, I can still make it through. 
because there's so many moments uh, when, when, you know, in life, entrepreneurship, whatever, where we want to quit, right? Uh, if I just quit right now, maybe everything will be okay. And there's so many points in that when I couldn't even stand on one leg and I have to hobble back to the corner between rounds that I was like, I don't know if I can do this. I specifically remember there, uh, there would being a choice. It's funny because in life, we all have choices, right? We, we quit or we succeed or we, whatever we do, right? And I remember seeing, being in the quarter, my coach goes, I, I, he, I bring him in. I whisper in his ear and I was like, I think something's wrong with my leg. I didn't know, obviously, my ankle was broken, but I said, I think something's wrong with my leg. He's like, do you want me to throw in the towel? And I was like, fuck it. No, I'm good. And he was like, what are you going to do? I said, I'll try to knock him out, <laughs> right? Because all of our game plan went out the windows. My point is, though, it's my favorite memory, even though I lost, because I know now what I'm capable of. I think the beauty of MMA or just any difficult task in general, and there's a million things you can do. You don't have to fight MMA. That's kind of crazy. You can go to jujitsu. You can do a million different things that are difficult tasks. The point is, though, I know how far I can push my mindset. I don't think a lot of people do. Like, I don't think a lot of people know what their limit really is. They think they do, but it's only like 10% of what they're capable of. Again, I think it's important to test that limit. And thank, thankfully for me, I, uh, I had a, an opportunity to test mine, which was through MMA. I think that's such, um, there's so much wisdom in just that one experience. And I think, you know, to start off with, getting to the ring is the first hurdle right? You do the training, the training behind the scenes, those are hurdles every day to get to that level where you feel confident enough to get into the ring and then getting into that ring. Cause it's easy just to say, well, I, 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 you know, you'll find an excuse. Like he was, you know, he didn't cut. So you could have said, well, that's it. I'm just not doing it. Right. You could have walked away. And then there was something else that kind of, maybe it was a dream. That was so well. perceptive of you, uh, obviously, because that was the other opportunity I could have quit. Yeah. I was scared shitless of this guy because me and him were the top um, in our weight class in the, in the state. It was a really big thing, right? And he didn't make weight. I had the opportunity and nothing would have bad happened. Everyone would have understood if I said, no, I'm good. Yeah. So that, that was and, really and perceptive of you. There's a reason why you're a podcast host. You're really good at this. <laughs> Thank you. So, um, but like, you know, it's just those kind of things where you can always find the excuse. You can always say that. So it was one that you could have cut, you know, you could have cut yourself out of that due to him not being at the weight that he needs to be. And then it's the next thing getting into the cage. And once you're in the cage, knowing something's wrong with your ankle, not obviously knowing it was broken, but there was a way out as well. So there's always ways out of the difficulty, right? And I think it's that difficulty where we go through that difficult tunnel that leads us to this light that, you know, grows us in a much, much bigger way than we anticipate because we don't know our limits. You're so right in that sense, we don't know it. And I want to come back to that moment when your coach asked you, you know, that fuck it moment, what goes through your mind in that sense? Because you know, I have a, have a tune on Clubhouse and I talk about an unfuckwithable mindset. And for me, I want to know what that fuck it moment was for you because something triggers in us at some point in time and it's a culmination of a few things. So for you, what was that? Yeah, so I think in that moment, obviously the, the lights are bright. You have this, you know, people think time slows down and you all of a sudden like do this equation in your head and, and and I, you just make a simple choice. I always dumb things down, right? I go, especially even for my clients, you have two choices. I always say that. My clients probably hate it by now, but I go, you have two choices. You do this or you do this. Why? Because when we have an inundated with a billion and one choices, it becomes this thing of like, of, of chaos. We can't decide. So in that moment, it was quit 
and deal with the consequences of quitting or go out on your shield as we call it, right? Like kind of go out like a, like a true warrior. And the truth of the matter is to go out like that, even though nobody would have, if I told them like my ankles broke, I can't move. No one would have bet in an eye. But the fact of the matter is that's not who I wanted to be. That's not who I am in, in my identity. And most importantly, I wanted to prove to myself I wasn't that person. It wasn't about showing anybody else. It was really like, can I make it through this? I'd rather get tapped out. I'd rather lose by getting knocked out than quit, right? And that's because that's who I wanted to be my whole life. My family grew up quitting. Like one of the things that I didn't you know, talk about leading up to this is like growing up, we were poor. Like we were evicted multiple times. My mom was an entrepreneur. So time and time again, we we're going through these situations where they were incredibly difficult, didn't know how to handle it. And as a child, I quit a lot on myself in school and doing all these things. And there's so many moments that I kept quitting on myself. So as I got older, going to high school, I ended up graduating with a 4.0. Like I got accepted in the Air Force Academy. Like I did all these things because only of one thing. I chose not to quit. That was, I'm not that smart. I'm not that anything. I just don't quit. So in this moment, there really was not much of a choice for me. I had to continue, right? And then that's just kind of like how it, always goes. And what's funny is when I became an entrepreneur, it was the same moment of fuck it. Uh, it was the same exact moment, right? So during the pandemic, I lose my job. Everything's furloughed, you know, all crap. Right before that, um, I was a VP of sales somewhere. Companies making multi, multiple, multiple, multiple millions of dollars. We sell, they shut down half the company, which includes my locations. I'm out of a job. All right. So I get a new one, that place because of the pandemic starts to close down, I'm out of a job again. So I've, uh, I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. Like the things that I know how to do, I'm like, I can teach people. I can help people. I don't need a company to do that, but it scared the crap out of me. And I had this call from a buddy, offers me multiple six figures for a salary, for a job. And I turned it down. And it's because I looked at my son and I had this vision. What if when he gets older, he wants to do something that scares him. He wants to do something that's big and scary and he doesn't know if he can do it. And I tell him, son, you got to go for it. And he, he comes back to me and says, dad, well, you never did. It scared the fuck out of me. Like I have chills talking about right now because I, I, I was like, I can't be that dad. That's not who I want to be. And I go, well, look, if I'm already going through hell, like during this time, like I'm, I'm like, I had saved some, but like, I'm struggling at this point. Okay. Like, I don't know how I'm going to make the next mortgage. Like I'm struggling. And I said, you know what? Again, same thing as earlier. If I'm going to lose, I want to lose my way. Right. I'd rather say, fuck you to the, to the, to the salary and go after it my own luck as luck will have it. Only three weeks later, I had my first five figure client and then things started rolling. But the, the point is it was that moment again, where it seems like you have a tons of choices. And no, no, no. If you dumb it down and just say you do it or you don't period. I, in my opinion, good things happen. Yeah. I think, I think it's so interesting because it's like, I feel when I speak to a lot of people, you can tell that the journey before the moment of success that people see on the outside, the journey behind that has been a journey of resilience. And that's the thing. It's like, you know, when, when you're a hard worker, when you're dedicated but you get through the, the peaks and the troughs because you know there will be peaks before that, right? Mm -hmm. you, you always know that things will get better, but you have to go through some of the shit sometimes, right? And I think that's what it is. It's that moment when, because I know myself, I have my fuck it moments too. Everybody does. 
but it's that moment when you have the fuck it moment and it's do you get comfortable in fear and hold yourself back or do you rise above that fear and say I want to see what's on the other side of that because that's where we can live in that comfort zone and we can say well I know this is safety I know this is what I can get and I don't know what's going to happen on the other side so I'm going to be okay just staying where I am staying in this position and just being stagnant and not a lot of people have that risk impulse I would say more so for their lives because that's a huge thing especially for your son and for your child if you're going to tell that child to go get it and you didn't it's really hard to convince someone if you didn't do it yourself so i think that's parents, such an by important... the way parents do it all the time yeah all the time i that's and that was like i'm not gonna be that parent that's the only reason it's so so true because i think it's 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 the easier option right you always want to guide people but you want to guide them from the sidelines you don't want to be the one that's paddling really hard. You want to be on the sidelines guiding somebody. And it's just safety, you know, and, and going from obviously from that mindset and taking that and shifting it into entrepreneurship, that transition for you obviously was very much a choice, right? You talk about choices so often. And one of the biggest things I think that we always need to ask ourselves, and I think this is a question we should ask ourselves every single day, is what do I believe about myself? Because it doesn't matter what anybody else believes about you. It's what you believe about yourself. And that is to find both, right? The positive and the negative. Because you can reshape the negative. But what does that look like for you in going into yourself, your mindset, and starting to find the barriers that you need to break down within yourself to get to that next level? Yes, this is, this is you know, relatively, like, unpopular opinion. I'm not going to lie. But I, I always talk about this. I have demons in my basement. That, that you can call it inner critic, you can call it whatever, that are locked away, lock and key in the basement. Here's the thing, though. Most people have the same. We all have those demons, right, that tell us we're not good enough, that tell us we don't work hard, or tell, that tells us all the things that we hate to hear about ourselves. The only thing is most people, they lock those demons away in their basement, and they hope they don't ever see them again. They ignore them. What happens every fucking time? They creep upstairs right when you're getting ready to do something. They tell you you're not shit. So for me, I believe those things. Believe is a strong word. I, I, I know they, those thoughts exist. The only difference is I go downstairs as often as I can and I face them. That's the only difference. So for me, you know, it, it's not that I believe that I'm, I'm certain things. It's just that I think I believe in myself enough to know I can win that battle against the demon anytime. So if I had to say that I believe in something, it's I believe I will win me versus my inner critic, my demons, whatever. I will win every single time. Because I've built up um, strength over time to face those demons. And how do I face, face them, right? Well, it's like through, for me, it's physical activity. Like I do things that are outrageously stupid and difficult um, only for the suffering's sake, right? So for example, uh, I did this uh, David Goggins challenge where you run uh, four miles every four hours for 48 hours, right? And if you do the math, like you don't sleep very much, okay? Because every four hours you're running and it takes me, like, especially towards the end, it was taking me like an hour to run the four miles. So I was so exhausted, um, which means you're only, and then at the shower and eat, you're only getting like an hour of sleep for four, eight hours, right? So anyway, the only reason I did that was just so I could feel what it felt like to be that tired and that much in pain. And the only reason is because when you're running, especially at those uh, those midnight hours, like I had to run at one, it was like 1 a.m. and 5 a.m. It was a little bit dusk and dark and you're by yourself. Those are the scariest moments when you're tired because when you're when you're not as tired, you, your mind has has uh, access to like be able to battle some of those thoughts. 
That's why the more tired you get, you see more people quit. This could mean like physically tired or mentally tired, right? So, or both for me. So as the more tired I got, the more those demons spoke up. Why are you doing this? Like, you don't have to do this, man. Like, just go home, you know, get an extra uh, night of sleep in. Nobody's going to know, right? Let's just, you don't have to do this. So you have to face those every single day. So my belief in myself really just stems from every single day attacking those demons that I know I have. I don't sugarcoat anything for me. Look, if I'm being lazy, I fucking call myself out. I'd rather me go after me than anybody else. I'm the first one to tell you, like, you know what? I'm taking it easy this week, and, and I don't really know why, but I'm going to figure it out. Or, you know, I really – I'm being too hard on myself. I need to figure that out. Like, there's there's absolute flows, and I think the important thing for me is, and if I could kind of distill anything to your audience or my clients that I talk to every day, it's that you have to be honest with yourself. You can't – like, look, affirmations are great, but also affirmations don't mean shit if you're not doing anything about it. Affirmations don't mean shit if you're not addressing the real thing that's going on in your mind. If you have demons, you have to face them. If you have not worked hard in a day in your life, if you've not really exhausted yourself to the point that you didn't know you can get there, if you haven't challenged yourself and then one day you start doing affirmations saying, I'm a hard worker, that's not going to fucking work, people. You have to try every single day to be that person, right? Things don't work when we wish it to. It works when we try to change who we are. The great here's the greatest part. I'm going on a huge tangent. You got to shut me up in a minute. But but is you can change who you are at any point. There's an outstanding book called Personality Isn't Permanent. Uh, his name is uh, Dr. Benjamin Hardy. Okay, and he talks about how this world has turned into this like personality test driven. Oh, I'm an introvert. I'm an extrovert. All of that shit you can change if you choose to. Right. All it means when you get a personality tester, if you're this way or that way, it's just you're on a scale. You're over here a little bit. Maybe you, you're, you're behind the curve a little bit as everybody else in terms of like whatever area. It does not mean you can't do something about it. I'm naturally I play victim. That's what I do. I've grown up in a victim mentality. My mom had a victim mentality. My family, my dad, everyone in my family has a victim mentality. I know that about myself. My first inclination at, at most times is going like, oh, like it's this person's fault. So I check that shit at the door. I'm honest. And I go, ew, what did I just say? No, no, no. It's no one's fault. It's my fault. I can fix this. I'll figure it out. So anyway, with that being said, I'm going to shut up for a minute because you got me going on some on some stuff. You said, you said so much there. So this, oh, I love, <laughs> I absolutely love the accountability piece, right? Because we are responsible and accountable for ourselves, our actions, our decisions. And that's something, you know, we can choose, like you said, the identity piece is such a huge thing as well, because we can always stick with an identity and say, I'm a victim, or I suffer from this, or I have depression, or any of those things. And it's choices. We can choose that every day, we can make a choice to change something. And how that occurs is consistency, right? We've got to consistently stick to what we want to change, and we've got to keep feeding ourselves the right stuff. And, you know, listening to you, you obviously really when when someone listens to you come across as a very motivated and you know like intense individual in like i know i want to push my body to this limit or i want to achieve this but on the back of that we do know we do have those demons right everybody has that and i love the fact that you say face it because a lot of times people think well if i don't pay attention to it the voice will get softer or quieter or if i just you know go buy something new that I can distract myself with. It won't, I won't hear it as loud as I did before. 
and facing it is definitely the way because the way out is through that's it it's, it's as simple as that so when you go through moments that you know you need support because you you know as much as i'd love to think of you as superman i know that that's not possible but there's moments when you need support and especially coming from a male perspective how do you find support within your community your friends your family like how does that look like for you and what is what is that what is a good practice as well for that bringing yourself back to grounding to getting back on track because we do fall off it so what does that look like yeah so i, I kind of use two things and, and one the power of vulnerability you can't stress enough it's being open and, and by the way it's, you know obviously you mentioned like as a man i grew up in the midwest right midwest we don't talk about feelings it's just we just don't right i remember growing up i've always been super open you ask me a question i'll tell you everything right and i remember even being like feeling odd about it. I didn't know what, and I remember even telling my friends like, Hey, I love you. And they would be like, wait, what the, you know, that's not what we do here. Right. I've always been that way. So for me though, it's, it's, I never, luckily for me, that never stopped me from expressing how I feel about people. Right. And cause I've just always been that way. If I care deeply about something, I'm going to say it. If I, if I'm ashamed or afraid, I'll, I'll say that. Right. And, and luckily I'd never stopped doing that. But honestly, you have to find the right tribe around you. That's like the number one thing. Like for me, my girlfriend is like the rock of not only myself, but also my business. And it really, a lot of it stems from the fact that I could always be me around her. It's the fact that I could go to her and say, honey, like I am, I think I'm a piece of shit today. Like I suck. I'm not really good. You know, I just, I like, even if I go after, after this, if I go to her and go, you know what, honey, I just did that podcast. I don't think I made any fucking sense. I just fucked that up so bad. She'd be the first one to say, what I love about her is she always says the honest truth about how she feels but also it gives me reassurance that it's going to be okay. She doesn't sugarcoat anything. She tells me, yeah, I heard the whole thing. It sucked. It was trash. But what we can do next time is just prepare a little bit better. So like, is that something that you want to do? Like, you know, you're good. And I, okay. Yeah. It's honest truth, the feedback. And then what's the game plan? And she does it beautifully better than anybody. Right. So it's just, I think for me, the key is you have to have the right tribe. Like it, I, I say this so much, but at the end of the day, when it comes to changing who you are and how you want to operate, the people you're around are keys to that. And you can't, you can't look around and see nothing but, you know, as my old coaches say, if you see, if you look around and see nothing but pigeons, I guarantee you're not an eagle. You're a fucking pigeon, mm -hmm. right? I know this is a really weird analogy, but again, my coach is from the Midwest. <laughs> odd. But anyway, the point is you get the point though. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's like if you, and that's the truth. It's like what you are the sum of the five closest people closest to you, right? That's just it. And and you look at your life and you think of that. And that in itself could alarm some people, you know, when you think of who you surround yourself with and what they're feeding you on an unconscious level, not even on a conscious level, on an unconscious level, what they're feeding you. And I think, you know, listening to your story, there's so many key things that it's, you know, it's going through whatever you've gone through, taking that and using the experience, using the knowledge you've gained to make better choices in your life, to make choices that you want to change. Because I think it's it's such a small thing, but like if we can conjure something different, that means in our mind, it's actually attainable. If we conjure that in our mind, it's proof that it is attainable for us. And sometimes people think, oh, it's just a dream. Dreams become reality and that takes consistency it takes action and it takes dedication to get there but a lot of the times people think oh if i dream something too big it's just too out there and it's for somebody else but it's it's that fact if anyone can do it you can and if it's it's if it's been placed in your mind it is definitely a possibility 
But, you know, just to like recap, like your journey, the way I've seen it is that you take the experiences, you use that to make better choices. And then going from that process of going and getting get, getting better, growing, and then facing the challenges you come across. And that's your inner challenges as well as the outer and what that looks like. Because a lot of times it's so easy to try and miss it, you know, like let's move past it. And you actually face that, which gives you more power over anything else. And if anything comes at you, you're better equipped to deal with it because you're growing and you're not staying the same. So, you know, you're able to deal with things better. And that support network, I think, is so crucial because it is being vulnerable, but being vulnerable with the right people. It's having yeah. the right people that can support you, that can be honest with you, that can tell you when you've messed up, but then can help you face it, fix it, and come up with a plan and move on. Because I think that's so important, and, and it's amazing the relationship you have with your partner, but it's also friendships for people. It's, it's because sometimes your partner or your family might not be the supporters you need. It might yeah. be external. And I think that's super, super important. Um, So I want to go into the entrepreneurship world that you've gone into now as a sales coach. So that seems to have taken so naturally for you as a sales coach. So tell me more about how the skill sets you have naturally from your experience before has moved you into this role so easily. Well, what's funny is my my sales program is called Combat Ready. (laughs) It's literally, that's what it's called. And I don't teach anybody how to fight, but it's the principle, right? Is like, can you, sales and entrepreneurship in general is a lot like fighting, right? You have a sales call you have to get ready for. You're nervous. You're like, I don't know how this is going to turn out. I hope I get the sale. I don't know. And you get in there and sometimes you win, you get the sale, right? You can help that person. It's exciting. And sometimes you get your face punched in, right? Sometimes you just, you don't make the sale or you launch a program or an offering, right, for your as an entrepreneur, and you're thinking in your head, it's going to go great, and you shit the bed, okay? It just doesn't go well. You make no money. It's the same thing as fighting. The difference is a really good fighter can lose and come back just six, eight weeks later and be better than he ever was, right? You have this opportunity to get better in between each bout. Entrepreneurship is no different, right? Like when I talk to what I found was, what was super interesting was the same things that I used to go through as a fighter. And I, I used to be a sales a leader in an organization. So I, I've been a sales coach before, just not like on my own. And when I moved over to entrepreneurship, I realized it's all the same. Sales, I'm gonna tell you a little secret, all right? I, I teach sales tricks and tips and what, the, you know, what, what everyone else does, okay? The thing that makes me different though is I don't focus on that shit as much, as much as two things. One, I call it inspirational selling, right? It's this idea that I can inspire you to want to work with me and not try to trick you and be pushy or whatever, but I want to try to motivate you to be better. And hopefully you want to be better with me. But the trick is, I don't care if you pick me. Like I, the goal for this, for example, is like somebody hears this talk, hears someone talk about learning about sales and getting better and, 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 and being an entrepreneur. If they don't call me, if they don't book with me, I don't care as long as they do something, right? That's the importance. But obviously, if your intentions are right, and if you do it well enough, people most likely will come to you. But the other part was 90% of what I focus on with my clients is mindset. Because if we get our mindset right, our sales increase. It's just the truth. It's usually not the tactics we're using, okay? It's usually just how we think about it. If I say, hey, I want you to try this out, saying it this way, um, and then ending with this, go ahead and try it. 
And the first thing you think is like, oh, that sounds salesy. Wrong mindset. Because here's the thing. Yes, there are certain sentences, certain uh, ways we say things that sound salesy. But the way that I teach sales is I give you the salesy bullshit and then we make it yours. Right? That I can say something that sounds salesy, but because it's me and, and, and the way that I say it, you're like, oh, race is trying to hype me up. This is great. That's what it should be. But you have to first do it. So anyway, the point is mindset is the key really to so many things. It's ridiculous. And the reason why I focus on sales more than anything is because I want the domino effect, right? If I can fix your sales, I can fix your whole business. Because if I can increase your sales, guess what? We can try new things financially. If we're broke and you have no sales, you can't hire a new employee. You can't delegate this or you can't get a VA. Like you can't do any of those things. But if I get you more money, you can try new things and fail and be like, no, it's no big deal. I'll just go make more money, right? So anyway, that's that's the whole sales component to it. But mindset, I'm telling you, if you ju- if people just work on their mindset more, their money mindset or, and all the other things. But really, at the end of the day, this got to the point where they can get over failure faster and learn from failure faster. They wouldn't need to hire me, to be honest that's, with you. Like, I could teach them a few things here and there, but they don't, they wouldn't need me. And it's the perception of failure as well. You know, that perception is that it's not that it's gone wrong. It's just that you found something that didn't work. It's as simple as that. You just have to keep on going to find what is going to work as opposed to looking at everything that as a failure. Um, also, you know, like we talked about, sorry to cut you off, but we talked about this earlier, but this choice and fear, right? Yes. Sales and entrepreneurship, there's fear. I just decide to choose my fear. I'll give you an example, right? Let's say I reached out to you and I said, hey, you know, uh, I'm a sales coach. You do X. I want to help you. I think I can help you reach more people, impact more people, help more people. What do you think? And you say no. Okay. I could either, in the beginning of that, choose to be fearful of you telling me no and just being like, oh, she's going to tell me no. Like, I don't want to go for it. Or I can just go ahead and do it anyway because potential of helping you is more greater than the fear. What if you do say yes? How many people could we help together if I actually teach you how to sell? Because selling is more than just selling a product or whatever. It's inspiring people to take action. That's what sales should be, inspiring people to take action. So if I teach you how to do that, imagine how many people you can help. If I don't even reach out, I don't care if you say no or whatever, but if I don't reach out, all those people we could have helped together aren't getting the help they need. There's someone right now who needs your podcast that needs to hear this, that because of the way that we're talking about the message, we're not, they're not hearing us. Mm-hmm. That pisses me the fuck off. There's someone that I'm working with right now. She's a mindset coach. Imagine if I didn't work with her. She's literally helping thousands every single year. And if I didn't reach out to her, she'd be stuck helping with a couple hundred. And there's people that are home right now, stressed, not feeling like they're good enough, not worthy. And because I didn't help her, that person doesn't get help they need. Fuck that. So that's why I said, like, if you have something worth giving to the world and you're going to let fucking fear stop you, it's selfish. That's it. It's selfish. People need you. So you need to speak up, get over that fear just so they can feel better. And I promise you that it's beautifully on the other side of it. Right. Anyway, this is, the, this is the problem talking about mindset and sales with me is this happens. So I apologize. I get really excited. I, I feel and, pumped uh, after that. I feel so pumped right now. So, <laughs> so that's amazing. You know, I love the fact that you say that sales is inspiring people to make choices that is good for them. And I want to know what is your why? There's a two, there's a two part to this. And I'm going to give you the second part after this. What is your why for your life right now? Uh, fear. I'm petrified of being at the end of my life 
and not getting to what I think could be my potential. And I'm petrified of not loving enough. And by that, I mean, like, I want every single friend and, and, and client, a lot of my clients, I just, I, I consider friends anyway, um, family, I want them to know how much I love them and how much I want to do for them. And so, and so in order for me to do that, though, I have to, I have to work hard. I have to make myself better for them and for myself. But uh, yeah, that's my why. It's, it's just, it's selfish it's for me, Yeah. but it's for me. So I can be the best me for others. Yeah. There's a, a Wayne Dye saying that's don't die with music in your soul. And that for me is sums up just that, because I feel the same way. It's whatever I've got, I've got to give it all, use it all and then go rather than just. Oh, wow. Keeping it that's, wait, who said that? Wayne Dyer. So I'm yeah. I'm running it down. That's beautiful. Yeah, it is really beautiful. And it's, it's so I have chills right now, actually, like that, <laughs> that just hit me. I don't know. That was good. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I love that. That's one of my favorite quotes. Um, and that's how I feel about my life as well. I don't want to die with anything left in me. I want to give it all. Um, and the second question, this, I is, have fucking uh, tears in my eyes. What the fuck? Jesus well, Christ. That was beautiful. I think the second question is going to get you more. I want to know what you want your son to be able to say about you as his father and as a man. Yeah. yeah. Uh, fuck. What is happening right now to my eyeballs? Um, okay. So, uh, yeah, well, here's the thing, right? So I didn't know I could even be a father. Like my, my dad, my dad went uh, to prison when I was like seven. He, he was there for like 20 years. Um, and so when I found out I was going to be a father, it scared the hell out of me. I was like, I don't know if I could do this. Um, look, there was probably like uh, even a moment of being like, I don't know if I could do this. But again, we always come out with the choices. And I was like, I'm not going to um, not be in my son's life. That's not, that's not even remotely a possibility. Um, and then I, you know, obviously he was born and I remember holding him. And I just had this like, it was weird. I, didn't, I wasn't sad. It was just I, my straight face and just tears just were falling down. And I was like, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I'm going to do this the best I can. The only thing that I really hope for and shoot for, it's not anything crazy that I want him to say about me. I just want him to say that he tried his best every day. That's it. Like, look, I, I, I think I'm a good dad only because I try my ass off. I fail a lot. Like, look, I'm not a perfect dad. You know, I get frustrated at things. I'm not as patient, patient as I want to be with stuff. I work a lot, um, but I try to make it up. I try to do the right things. I try to be patient. I try to learn like, you know, the amount of books that I read on parenting, not necessarily like the typical ones, but like I read like how to raise an emotional child, like, you know, the emotionally intelligent child, like these kind of things. I'm trying. I look at this like anything I've ever done in my life, which is, but it's my best creation. It's not fighting. It's not entrepreneurship. It's I'm raising a fucking man and he has to be a great one. He has to be someone who cares about others and is loving. So long story short, I, I only hope that my son sees and, and, and understands that I've tried. That's beautiful. I think, I think that's so simplistic, but so important is for your child to be able to look at you and say, I know my dad or my mom did the best that they could. Um, because I think we all look back in our own childhoods and it's not very easy to say that with the lives we've had and the types of lives we've had before we hit the digital era and a lot of things have changed and before we had so much personal development and all of these different things that has changed because this era of mindset personal development is it's fairly new still you know people are still latching on to this now so i think 
being able to feel that your your child's just happy that you did the best and that sense of pride i think that's beautiful so thank you for such a wonderful interview i have thoroughly enjoyed it and um i look forward to having you again and we can talk more detail and i can make you cry again <laughs> yeah what the hell ha- that's never happened to me before what's that this podcast is good all right <laughs> if you guys have like listen for your for your listeners, if y'all don't subscribe and review, she made a guest cry on her podcast. I'm just saying that is ridiculous. Wasn't intentional, but I like that because we all like the feels, right? So thank yeah. you so much, Raylan. It has been an absolute pleasure. I appreciate you.